before we get going too too far here, uh, do you mind uh, closing your your email browser there? I'm sure you're gonna get a lot of emails, and we hear the the the, oh, you're hearing the ding, ding every time it pops in. Yeah. I thought it was closed. That may be one of my phones. I got a. <laughs> How many phones? Yeah, do you I have figured. There? You, dude, phones. seven phones. Seven phones. You have seven phones. Seven phones. Explain that. Dang. Um. Well. Uh. Let me uh close all my stuff here. Uh. Just to make sure, because. So. Uh. Like anything else, right? If if somebody called you from a, you know, foreign number as a gringo American. Would you answer it? No. You would say, foreign number. I don't want to get scammed or hustled. So without doing any hard math, mo you know, um, other than Hurricane Ian, we haven't had to do any operations inside of America. Hmm. Therefore, all my stuff is foreign. And it makes it just a little bit easier to contact people if you have a local number. Hmm. This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. All right, Wheeler, speaking of phones, yeah. I, I noticed something uh, just before this podcast. What'd you notice? Our, our text chains are no longer green bubbles with you. They are Did not. Did you upgrade to an did you upgrade to an iPhone? Did you graduate? Yeah, you know what's funny is that you just now noticed that um, I did that probably last September, October, and we've we, texted we many times between now and then. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't notice. You're like one of the last friends I have uh, that, that, that still had the Android. Yeah. Which, you know, don't don't start texting or, or you know tweeting me about you know Android's better than the iPhone. No, I whatever. Okay, it's fine. I, and and I know I totally get it from from both sides now because I've tried both of these. And I will say that I desperately miss the text uh, at any time feature uh, from the Android. Though you could schedule a text. That was the most valuable nice. thing about Android. So every time I texted you, if it was before, like, let's say 930 in the morning, that was always a text that I had <laughs> scheduled the night before uh, at like midnight or two in the morning. And I would schedule it to come to you at like 917 a.m. So it looks like Some I'm random totally, time, yeah. of course, I'm awake and working and up and around every time I was in bed. Apple needs to adopt that because you know you could you could text your boss like a six thirty. Hey, I've been meaning to ask about this project. Is it still on track? Something like that. Yeah, that, that's pretty. That's good. I hope they're that, listening. That's, that's good. Uh, and and I yeah. hope we got your attention up top here uh, because uh, the guy that we have here on the podcast today, he's not kidding when he says he's got seven phones, uh, got you know things dinging and binging going off. This man, you know, Jason. There are some people that you meet in life and you think. This person is was born to do this. This person is made right. for what he is doing. And thank goodness, uh, because, you know, there's a lot of people who can say that they are alive today, probably, because of his actions. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, th this, is, this is an episode that you can listen to this weekend instead of going to see a movie. <laughs> this guy has stories, and it, it's fascinating to listen to him. Um, so many things that I didn't know about, about tradecraft and things like that. And if you're, if you're ever going to have a beer with us, this is the podcast to run to the fridge or wherever you are, grab one, and, and pop the top on it and listen to this dude because he has uh, quite a few stories. 
And these are these are harrowing stories, yeah. life saving stories for Texans and for Americans that he has plucked out of you know remote regions of the world that are hostile environments. Yeah, this is not for so, the faint at heart. In some cases, you know, it's it's a little bit graphic even, but this is the the reality yeah. of what he sees out in the world and what he's dealing with. Uh, I think you were about to ask me what I'm drinking. Yeah, you, you want to get to the podcast, man. What are you drinking I do. today? Uh, I'm this, having, this is a good one. I'm having this. Uh, it's it's Texas made. I'm not sure exactly where. Oh, Mission Texas Fubar. Uh, <laughs> only because, you know, it's got the camouflage on it. This guy uh, served, you know, a couple of decades uh, in the military, the, the one we're talking to today. And also, you know, Fubar. I mean, he goes into a lot of situations where, you know, will say it is fouled up beyond all recognition <laughs> and he is the only one he and his group are the only ones going in when everybody else is running out very very appropriate brew there my friend i'm, I'm impressed yeah i'm impressed it's odd man. for me isn't that, it that, that is that's is a good one i, I should have uh, i should have thought more about my, my selection today but before i get to my selection you know something else that, that always strikes me people use another military acronym yeah. snafu snafu all the time yeah yeah, all the time in professional situations. I, I have used that in many cases, like on the air. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. You know what it means, though, right? I do, you know I do now, uh, but yeah, I didn't always. You, you've never used FUBAR on the air. No, I have not. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Except just now. Yeah. This is the first, huh? What are you having? Are you having a snafu beer? I, is that why you got into no, this? No, 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 not at all. But uh, the FUBAR threw me off there. I'm having a uh, spindle tap. Oh, nice. Proper pilsner this is from uh houston mm -hmm. the spindle tap brewery in houston I, I i love pilsners and i i've never had this one for some reason i, I don't know but I, this is one i picked up at heb when i was driving through austin the other day it's a very cool name by the way yeah yeah indeed. Uh, so as you take a swig of that uh let's introduce this guest and, and and not keep you waiting on this man uh so here's the thing uh we keep seeing these headlines here and there about people being rescued uh, from the other you know, side of the world, from Afghanistan, from Ukraine. And these are not official rescues. These are not like government rescues. These are rescues being done by people who are working outside of government lines in the most dangerous parts of the world. And here lately, we have seen several headlines about Texans. These are Texans who are being rescued and brought back here to Texas. Uh, and these people didn't have a chance. Uh, and over and over again, the, the name that you trace this back to as to who did this is a place called Project Dynamo. This is a group that formed up after the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan back in uh, August of 2021. Uh, and, you know, they sort of you know, came together as this ad hoc group and, well, things sort of coalesced and they, you know, started making this a real operation. And boy, they've gotten this thing going over the past several years, and they've probably never been busier than they are now. Uh, and we've got the co-founder on the line with us. His name is Brian Stern, and uh, this man is a character, folks. And, and again, as Jason was saying, this is like stuff out of a movie. There will probably be a movie made about this guy someday and, and his group because uh, just wait till you hear uh, about some of the things that they've been able to do. And it's just extraordinary. Hey, y'all. This is where Texas politics gets interesting for another smart conversation on eolitics. And before we get going, I know you served in uh, with the Army and the Navy. Um, what what should we call you? What what rank should we call you? What do you suggest, man? Uh, I'm a civilian. Uh, you know, Brian Brian works. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> we we like easy around here. 
Yeah. I haven't called a lot of names. You know, I, I got a lot. Of, I got hey, uh, bad so names. To, some uh, some cunyas also. <laughs> <laughs> so so Project Dynamo. I, I was reading a lot about it here, and, and one of the things that really stuck out to me. Uh, we'll get into all the missions and things like that because I'm curious about it. But one of the things that stuck out it says that uh, Project Dynamo operates in the gray space where the U.S. government does not. Tell our listeners what the gray space is. Tell me what it is. So, so it's exactly that. It's, it's the, uh, we came up with it because we needed to come up with a fun way to describe it. It was entirely too long to, to explain where we work and how we do it. And the, the best way to think about it is wherever the U.S. government is ineffective or isn't present, right, for whatever reason, either like in Afghanistan because they left or during Hurricane Ian, uh, we were first in the water. We actually beat the U.S. Coast Guard. We were there for about a week. Hmm. Once federal resources came in, then we took off. Where I don't have the budget, the executive branch of government. So, uh, or in places like, or, or in places like Ukraine, where they're never gonna do rescue operations. They're just not. No SEAL team is ever gonna jump the border into Mariupol to pull an American out. I know that because we've done hundreds of those, and they've never been there. And then in places like Russia, even right, we did an operation in Russia the the uh, Thanksgiving week, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, where there is a U.S. embassy. We're not at war with Russia, not really, um, but the diplomatic relations are so poor that they that the government, for no fault of their own, just the way the circumstances are, are ineffective. And we did an operation there too and rescued two babies, actually from Texas, oddly enough. So um, the uh, Thanksgiving, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, so. It's it's wherever the government can't function or isn't functioning or isn't present, that's the gray space where it's not quite there, but not quite not either. It's not like we can't send a SEAL team into Ukraine. We just yeah. choose not to for whatever the political and diplomatic reasons are. But bottom line is, is we don't do that, right? Afghanistan is the same way. We just did an operation for seven green card holders that are also from Texas, incidentally. Um, that were in Jalalabad for the last 18 months trying to get out and couldn't. Mm. There is no U.S. embassy in Kabul. It doesn't exist. We were, it just, it's not there anymore. So, so how do you, if you're an American, if you're a green card holder, how do you go from hiding in Jalalabad to Texas? How do you do that safely and not get your heads chopped off by the Taliban? How do you do that? Well, you can go Dynamo. But before we before we get going too too far here, uh, do you mind uh, closing your your email browser there? I'm sure you're gonna get a lot of emails, and we hear the the, the oh you're hearing the ding, ding every time it pops in. Yeah, I thought it was closed. That may be one of my phones. I got uh... a <laughs> how many phones? Yeah, do you I have figured, there? You, dude, oh, seven phones. Seven phones. You have seven phones. Seven phones. Explain that. Dang. Um. Well, uh, let me uh close all my stuff here. Uh. Just to make sure, because anything else open? No, I think that's everything. Um, so, uh, like anything else, right? If if somebody called you from a, you know, foreign number as a gringo American, would you answer it? No, you would say, foreign number. I don't want to get scammed or hustled." So, without doing any hard math, mo you know, um, other than Hurricane Ian, we haven't had to do any operations inside of America. Mm -hmm. Therefore, all my stuff is foreign, and it makes it just a little bit easier to contact people if you have a local number, mm. right? That's one part of it. The other part of it is, is we have very sensitive intelligence sources that are all over the world that help us do our business, uh, that help us uh, conduct operations. And uh, we have uh, 
um, uh, a very robust uh, communication security program to manage all that for their safety and for our safety. Mm. To date, how, nope. to date, how many people would you say you all have been able to get just out of Afghanistan? You know, without even considering the other countries that you've talked about, just out of Afghanistan. Afghanistan, we're over, we're over three thousand. Jeez, um, we're we're over six thousand total with everything, with everyone. About four hundred, almost four hundred fifty operations. Hmm. And and this so. latest one that we contacted you about, you just uh, referenced a moment ago. It was a woman and her five children, uh, uh, lawful permanent residents here. You brought them out of Afghanistan, brought them back to Texas. Uh, that happened this month, and I thought it was interesting. I saw a, a piece about this, and you explained that every rescue operation is different. And you said this one uh, had yet another unique challenge. It required safe houses, vehicles, airplanes, medical personnel, and extensive operational testing and planning to successfully mitigate dozens of Taliban-controlled checkpoints along the route. This sounds incredible, and this is just one rescue that we're talking about. Correct the work that must go into this how, how long, for, 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 for six people, for seven people uh, that you're trying to get out, let's say, how long are you planning this? Uh, it depends. Uh, it, it, it really depends. Uh, this one was a couple of weeks in the making. This one was a little bit challenging. There were, there were two um, groups. One was a single male and then we had a second group, which was a, a, a woman with five children. So a six, six packs and a, and a single. So that equals to seven. Mm -hmm. um, the single guy wasn't so bad, but unbeknownst to him, he actually played a very critical role in the operation unwittingly. In Afghanistan, if you're a single female, uh, that's a problem. That's a real problem that from a good, bad matrix perspective, that's pegged in the, in the bad section. And she has uh, three daughters and two sons. The three daughters are all of marriage marriage age, so that compounds that problem a little bit more. So the single male, un unbeknownst to him, he was actually the brother uh, of her. But don't tell him or don't tell her that mm. they don't know that part. Mm, so uh, we, you know, the the Russians call me Valshabnik, which means the magician or the wizard, and that's very much. It, it's so appropriate. It's such an appropriate nickname. They they say it with anger. I wear it as like a badge of courage or a badge of honor almost. I, I love it. And that's very much at the core of Dynamo. I can't get into a gunfight in downtown Kabul. I won't survive. There's significantly more of them and there's no help coming for me. So if I brought 50 guys armed to the teeth with machine guns and hand grenades and at some point we're going to run out of ammo and the reality is is i'm not going to walk to iran this is not going to work so so or to pakistan or to any of the other closed borders so we are much we are we are very tradecraft heavy meaning we're more donnie brasco and less lone survivor <laughs> if that makes sense right that's great so you know you know, when I when I'm on the street, when I'm on the street uh, working the Ukrainian Russia issue, I'm in head to toe Adidas and Fila with a man purse and full on Euro trash. And you're, you're speaking Wheeler's language. You're speaking Jason's language here. He wears the same thing. Yeah, we can hang out, so it's fine. Uh, you know, skinny skinny jeans, yes. and I've got and I got tree trunks for legs. You know, so um, but that's it. 
that's it. It's it's supposed to look like nothing. And what usually happens is with these operations, we we publicize only about ten percent of what we do. Uh, a lot of the other for a lot of reasons. But whenever we do these things, the other side is always is I don't, I don't know about always, but at least frequently mystified. You know how you know how 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 did this gringo come in and do uh, you know we we did an operation the uh, the russia operation that we did we made the um it was my third time in the moscow times and it's super cool <laughs> vladimir putin knows my name which i just think is awesome and not not necessarily in a good way you know and i can imagine vladimir putin you know having his morning cup of coffee you know like this is my my ego talking right my ego there's Vladimir Putin and, you know, his girlfriend's upstairs and his wife is at the table, you know, and he's going through his morning paper and he's having a cup of coffee and he's like, not again. Uh, damn you, Dynamo, you know, you know, you pesky so, rascals, you know. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this. What, what did the uh, what did you do to get the uh, nickname from the Russians? The magician. Was that the uh, rescuing the uh, the scientist from uh, uh, Mariupol? Uh, that was one. The the real one that got me the name was uh, the uh, Eddie Alexandrov or Carrillo Alexandrov operation. The the kid that I broke out of jail uh, on Victory Day, mm. and he, he he's in uh, he's from Michigan, and uh, he was uh, he's the first American victim of war crimes with a pulse still alive mm. since World War II. He was tortured and mock executions, and his uh, wife was tortured and brutalized, as you would imagine, all those terrible things. And uh, it was a pretty horrific case. He had eleven. He had eleven charges of espionage uh, levied against him by the Russian FSB, which is like our FBI. Sure. Um, he um, he. Uh, it was the magic trick of magic tricks. Uh, Frank. He was jailed in Russia, though, right? He was in Russian-occupied Ukraine, about two hundred miles on the wrong side of the border, which may as well be Russia. The, right. Russians, sure. the Russians walk around shopping. It's it's from their perspective, it's Russia. Mm -hmm. Wow. Russian passports and Russian license plates and Russian SIM cards and Russian law and Russian currency, Russian rubles, yeah, all that stuff. So for for all intents and purposes, you know, the Ukrainians are trying to get that territory back. But uh, at the time, he was, uh, depending, the border moved a little bit. So um, uh, give or take, depending on the day, about 200 miles the wrong side of the border. Mm -hmm. And um, I broke him out of jail on victory day as Vladimir Putin went to the microphone. That's how I did it. And um, the Russians didn't know, <laughs> which is like, so like, imagine, right? You guys are in Texas. You're, where are You guys are in Dallas or Houston or where are you? Yeah, Dallas. Dallas, okay. So imagine if the special agent in charge of the Dallas field office for the FBI had a Russian spy in custody and it was July 4th weekend, right? And the, the fireworks ended and he went to go visit his prisoner and bring him food and he wasn't there. What would happen to that FBI agent? Yeah, he'd be, he'd be gone. Is that what happened here? He, he, Siberia? He, he'd have a lot to answer for. He'd have a lot to answer for. So, so, how, so Brian, how did you get him out then? Magic. Uh, we, went through, <laughs> we went through, he went through 50. He was the most famous American in the region. And uh, he's, uh, oddly, he's covered in tattoos. So it's not like he blends in mm, well. With right. Terrible. And Russia occupied Ukraine. The Russian, part of the Russian propaganda machine says that if you have tattoos, you're a Nazi, which is really funny because pretty much every Russian army guy I've ever met has tattoos. Mm, but wow. Don't let the truth get into the way of a of a of a good story, you know. <laughs> right. So, um, anyway, he uh, he gets rolled 
first week of April and um, he gets rolled first week of April. And I was negotiating through some middlemen to get him released, which is always the best way. Whenever you do hostage rescue stuff, it's always best. Doesn't matter if it's a barricaded subject from a law enforcement perspective or a hostage overseas. It is always better to, to negotiate somebody out. It's safer, it's better, it's cleaner. Um, not always easier per se, but but definitely absolutely the first choice, right? You never want to send a SWAT team in. You want to hustle. She had to talk that guy out. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, so can you tell us uh, a little bit, because I've, I've looked at your website and I see on there that y you've got, uh, I guess, uh, you know, places where people can request help. How do you know about most of these people? Because, you know, you're talking about thousands of people that you've been able to get out. How do you even know of them and where they are and how to get to them? Uh, so very, it depends on the cases. We have different kind of flavors. We have, uh, we have a program called Apollo, which are like humanitarian convoys. There's a buses and cars and minivans that I can weasel into bad places and weasel them out because uh, based on our knowledge and intelligence, we have a program called uh, Atlas, which is for deaf people and blind people, which sounds like how hard could it be? But I'll tell you what a what a difficult thing because Ukrainian sign language is fundamentally different than American sign language. And wow. there's a stigma associated with this stuff in Eastern Europe. So, you know, I, you know, if you're deaf, you can't hear the air raid sirens, so they're they're tremendously vulnerable, and they get loud, all all these different things. So uh, we have another program called Gemini, which is our surrogate baby program. Those are American babies that are born to Ukrainian mothers, if that makes sense. So they're yeah. it's an American embryo and genetically an American, but the for whatever reason they can't have children. The, the Ukrainian woman is like the baby oven, mm -hmm. right? We've done 70 of those operations. What does that mean? We've rescued 70 American babies under the age of a month old from the war zone. Wow. 70. And, yeah. and this is not just you, Brian. You have a team of, of uh, other veterans who served in the U.S. military who are also working with you, right, in Project Dynamo? Yep, we have, we have a small team of volunteers, and not all of us are military. Uh, and it's one of the great things about Dynamo is I have – I have uh, volunteers that work for me that are MAGA hat wearing, you know, Trump tattoo having folk. And then I have other people that work for me that no kidding have Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders uh, bumper stickers on their cars as we speak right now. It, it's what I love about Dynamo uh, as the founder. What I really love is, is that this is nothing to do about political crap or any of that stuff. This is purely about taking care of Americans. Nobody cares. It's just like when, just like when you call nine one one, your your house is on fire and you call nine one one. They don't say, "Did you pay your taxes this year?" Right. No. Are you, are you, you know, well, how did you vote for the for the recent town mayor or whatever it is? Right. Nobody asks. They go, "What? What's your address? We're on our way. We're going to come and get you." And that's well, kind of how I approach it. Well, so speaking of that, Jason just asked you about your website, and, and on, on your website, projectdynamo.org, at the top right, there's a request form to be evacuated from Ukraine and a request form to be evacuated from Afghanistan. Now, we're all kids of the Cold War here, and, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, how do you trust those things that come in? I mean, I'd be afraid to fall into a trap, man. Uh, uh, yep, and it happens. Uh, they've sent hitmen to kill me. Um, they've tried to bait me into different um, scenarios 
for lack of better terms, different go to different places and do different things. We're really careful and we always try and stay two or three or four moves ahead. Um, and like I said, it's Donnie Brasco. So, you know, we lie, cheat and steal for the good guys. I'm basically, I, you know, we don't break any laws, but, but we are highly manipulative where, where we, we telegraph our moves over here and make noise over here to do something over here. We do a lot of stuff with, with, uh, routes and trade craft and rally points and all kinds of stuff. So we, we, is it possible? Yeah. I mean, they dropped artillery on me literally uh, meters away from my vehicle in April, trying to rescue a paratrooper from, uh, from North Carolina. So, I mean, it, it's extreme. It is very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Um, I went nose to nose with a hitman. They, they thought these idiots thought that I was walking into their ambush. Well, jokes on them. They walked into my ambush, but, but I was arm's length away from a guy that was sent there to murder me. So I, I can, I can see the veins in his eyes. So you've got a lot of enemies out there. Uh, I, I want to ask you because you said that, you know, you're going in and essentially getting people that the U.S. government is, is not going to go get in these places. Has the U.S. government ever, you know, given you a heads up and said, hey, if things go really wrong for you in these places, by the way, we're not coming to get you either. Oh, yeah. They said that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I echo when when the, the State Department will get on TV and when they do press conferences about Ukraine, they'll say, we advise all Americans to not go to Ukraine. State Department and us have a, have a very complicated relationship, as you would imagine. And of all the things that state has said, good, bad, or otherwise, that data point of don't go to Ukraine if you're an American, I echo. It is a incredibly volatile place. Things go from okay to pretty terrible in the blink of an eye. Uh, lots of people, I mean, people forget that, you know, Ukrainians have lost, that they admit to, that they admit to 130,000 people. Yeah. Imagine if 130,000 Americans got killed tomorrow or in the last year over something. We'd yeah. be going nuts, right? We lost, yeah. that, we lost, we lost, we lost just under 3,000 on the morning of 9-11 and we went to war for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> right? And Jason, same question there. Has the U.S. government or state or anybody else said, uh, hey, Brian, while you're over there, see what you can find out on the back channels about so-and-so or this person. No, I mean, we, we don't have – our relationship with the government is, is I, I communicate up. They don't communicate down. So hmm. when we're, we're – especially on an, on an American case, I don't want to get in the way of anything. So if state or the intel community or DOD is working on a case that I'm working on, uh, you know – as a guy who spent most of his career in the intelligence community and special operations community, I don't want to be in the way of my friends. If my friends and my colleagues are coming to your door, they're coming there for the guy that they're looking for. Everyone else is going to have a very bad day. Right. I don't want to be around when that happens. Right. So, so uh, we telegraph up, we let them know what's going on. We, we engage with them and their family and the, you know, buy with them through the families and all kinds of stuff. And um, they don't, they don't help us. They don't help us, but I like to think that it's kind of our obligation and our duty to keep the government informed about what we're doing, especially about our people. And um, very often we get referred cases by accident from them. The John Spore case, the nuclear scientist case was just like that. He was trapped in Mariupol. He's a nuclear scientist with a head full of secrets crazy story and he's famous so it, and he's from texas isn't he he's from texas mm-hmm. yeah. and 
he his LinkedIn page was like a shrine to military technology. He had this big monster house. He was a very he was like the Mick Jagger of Mariupol, right? Everyone knew John the American. I mean, it was operationally it was a nightmare. Including the Russians knew him very well. Yeah, everybody was. He was the number one priority intelligence target for the Russians. Uh, number one strategic target in the region by the Russians. So, but, but you got to him first, though. You got to him first, and your team extracted him, right? Well, he's sitting in Texas right now, so I guess it all worked out. <laughs> the, the, the magician, the magician, the magician strikes again, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that that that's it, right? You can imagine like the head of the FSB who just got who just got slapped around over the Carrillo case, got broke him out of jail, and like um, weeks later we do John sport. It's like, wait a minute, Carrillo was a nobody, but we had him in custody and this guy got him out of the can that sucks, but actually no loss. This guy we've been looking for, can't find him. And now I'm looking at him weighing in JFK. Damn you dynamo. You know, I love him. Brian, you know, what's interesting to me is that, you know, you know, human ingenuity and desperation being what it is, some of these people might have eventually found a way out of some of these circumstances if they hadn't had you in your organization. But, you know, by and large, a lot of these people uh, may have perished uh, if it hadn't been for you all. That's got to be pretty heady stuff for you. I mean, is, is that an accurate statement to say that a lot of these people don't survive if it's not for this grassroots effort that sprang to life uh, after, oh, yeah. the, after the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan um, in oh, 20, yeah. 2021? If, if you're, if you're, um, if you're uh, every one of our people would tell you that. They would all say, um, you know, that they would be dead or could be dead or probably dead, some variation of that, um, but for a dynamo, for sure. I mean, uh, John Spohr, John Spohr will tell you, I mean, they were, he had 200 Russian intelligence officers or so. We don't actually know the number, but, you know, lots and lots of them looking under every, uh, under every rock looking for him. And, you know, they probably wouldn't have killed him, but they would have tortured him pretty well and raped him pretty good. And, and it would have been an unbelievably terrible experience for him because he has a head full of secrets. He worked on small things like the B-2 stealth bomber and the F-35. I mean, they really wanted him. Uh, Terry Gately, a Christian missionary, uh, Christian missionary that we broke out of jail, also arrested. You know, these guys are arrested or, or on the run because they're Americans. That's their crime. That's all that they did. That's all they ever did wrong was that they were Americans. Uh, Carrillo in Detroit, he was a farmer. He married a young Ukrainian woman. Her father died. She didn't want, she's an only child. Her mother didn't want to be alone. He moved to Ukraine with her, had like a Ukrainian green card, lived in nowhere Ukraine on the river, living the good life. Young kid, he's 26 years old. And um, they broke all over. They were firing bullets past his ears every day for 37 days. They broke his back, tortured him, uh, all kinds of terrible things. So what's his crime? What did he do wrong? His passport says, we the people on it. That's what your passport Mm. says. Well, mm. in my career, in my career, we that is a a deal breaking, you know, SEAL team activation level problem, right? If you're, you know, we, we used to say, well, the best way to meet the, the best way to meet a SEAL is to hijack a boat, right? You'll meet a whole bunch of them. You'll meet a whole bunch of them, right? Or or get, you know, take you know, take an American hostage, see what happens. Ask Jessica Jessica Buchanan, her rescue, the anniversary of her rescue was just this week. Uh, a couple uh, two days ago and out of Somalia, you know, you could ask the people that took her, you know, what happened, but they're all dead. That's what happens. 
Now, for some reason, we don't do that. And that is why Dynamo exists. That, that is why if you take, if an American is, is in trouble, the government should come. And if they're not going to come, okay, I'll take care of it. Every case is different. You were saying, and I can, you know, I can imagine that between Ukraine and the hurricane, um, Afghanistan, et cetera. But, but give us an idea, like how, how you get these people out. I mean, are they, are they in disguise? Are they hidden in all, places? All or? kinds of stuff. Uh, we, we would be here for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. John Spore, I converted. You ever see Argo the movie? Yeah. yeah. That was the John Spore case. I took a, when, I, when we made first contact with John Spore, he was wearing Prada shoes and Armani underwear. Okay. <laughs> True story. If you're listening, John. Sorry, bro. Um, uh, uh, he's awesome. He's a good friend of ours, um, good friend of mine. Um, uh, we had to convert John from a wealthy, affluent, you know, upper middle class or upper class American scientist, 80 pound head genius with dozens of patents and he specializes in light, whatever. I mean, I'm a C plus student in physics. Like, you know, this isn't my area. We had to convert him from that, right? Who and everyone knows him to a homeless, refugee, handicapped, deaf, mute, non-walking Ukrainian refugee from the epidermis out. So, as an example, when I got we got we get John into the, into one of our safe houses in the area, and one of the first things I did was I, I broke the plumbing in my safe house. Right. And I put on, I put him on a salami and cheese and Fanta orange soda diet. Right. Right. And he couldn't brush his teeth. Right. He so he's, yeah. the shower. He I follow you. Stinks. Yeah. Stinks. So if you're corporal, you know, Vladimir, I hate America, Russian border guard guy, and you stick your snout into our vehicle, you see this guy who hasn't showered. He stinks like salami and cheese. If you ask him a question, he's going to uh, 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 make noise. We made him like handicapped kind of, right? And I got documents and all kinds of things to corroborate everything that are all legitimate. I can't use fake documents. I got to use real documents. The, the Russians are not the Taliban. They have databases and all kinds of stuff. So everything's got to be very smart and very deep and uh, well thought through. But the reality is if you stick your nose in the thing, you know what you're not going to do? You talk to any police officer, the worst thing they ever have to do is arrest a homeless guy. Mm. The worst thing. The last thing you want to do is arrest someone who who's hasn't showered. He stinks. He's dirty. You don't want to touch him and put him in your car and get all nasty. Well, that was one of about 200 different things that we did. Mm. Wow. Jeez. Wow. Um, I want to well, ask well, you this. Uh, the I, I was reading a little piece on the uh, from the Modern War Institute at West Point. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but you were talking about how, you know, the government doesn't necessarily embrace you guys and say, hey, you know, let's work with you and let's have you do this and we'll do this part. But this is a pretty credible place, the Modern War Institute at West Point. And they sort of raised the idea that 
this is something that could have legs. This is something that perhaps the Department of Defense should consider as like an auxiliary force, as something that could be done in the future where, you know, the military, you know, can't necessarily go or the, the, the state cannot necessarily go. Maybe we should embrace this, this sort of helper force out there of very motivated civilians, uh, you know, who are crowdsourcing to get things done that the U.S. government can't get done, and that maybe this would be even a very good way to help uh, retiring service members to transition out of the military and still be useful and use those skills. What do you think of that idea? I think it's I think I think it's a double-edged sword. Uh, so I, in, in you know, prima facie, I think it's a great idea. Every the tactics that I employ at Dynamo, I didn't invent. I'm trained, you know, our taxes dump millions of dollars into little old me, you know? So from a return on investment perspective, it kind of, why wouldn't you, right? It's, it's why wouldn't you? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of old and gray a little bit and, you know, the military is a young man's game. You join at 18, you retire at 38. If you're 40, you're like a senior citizen, hmm. right? You know, especially if you're still on the street, you know, um, yeah, right. I'm, right, I'm a, you know, if you're a general, okay, but I'm a street guy like that, you know, um, you know, uh, a friend of mine named Billy Waugh, who's one of the most famous agents, famous agency officers that ever lived. He deployed to Afghanistan on his 71st birthday in, in 2001. Those wow. guys are the sacred cows and the, and the national treasure that we have. Billy Waugh is part of the don't mess with me crowd. He's a he's an old man, and I tell you what, I wouldn't want to fight him today. Today, I mean, he's got to be eighty, almost ninety. He's got to be ninety something. He was seventy one in two thousand one, so yeah, he's ninety something years old. And today, I would bring a gun to that knife fight. I would. So there's a there's a real you know there there's there's a there's a definite there's definitely something there. The problem is, and this is where I flip it today. If you took every special operations guy that we had, every Navy SEAL and every Green Beret and every Delta guy and every Army Ranger and everything, and you asked them, when was the last time you had to deal with cruise missiles? We don't have it. An American service member has not had to defend themselves from enemy aircraft. We haven't had a casualty from enemy air in 65 years. Hmm. Long time, long time, really long time. Right, so you, we have a we have a generation of soldier that's used to fighting with fobs and against an enemy that wears flip flops. That's sophisticated and smart. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're not. You know, it is, but it is what it is. But the reality is, the Taliban don't have close air support and they don't have a navy. They just don't. Yeah, I deal with those issues every day. The the Russian navy and and Russian electronic warfare capability is a real problem real problem i'm not worried about sniper rifles and ieds like we did in afghanistan i'm worried about real big boy hypersonic missiles that can geolocate to a cell phone so in our arsenal of 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 human capital we are we are at a little bit of a deficit because we we're really good at this and just just like pre 9 11 we take it for granted you know, 22 years ago, we had we had people who knew nothing about terrorism. Today, everyone's got 15 deployments. You know, when I, when I was in infantry school, it, when I was in infantry school as a private in the Army, it was a huge deal if your drill sergeant had a combat patch. It was a, like, your platoon 
felt cool because your instructor had a day of combat. It was a huge deal. And that day of combat was either Desert Storm or Bosnia. Not exactly, you know, right? We take it for granted that, you know, I got friends of mine, they've killed 5,000 bad guys. I mean, like, they, I have friends that have killed more people than cancer. So, you know, after 20 years of war, we kind of forget that. But there was a time where we didn't know anything about terrorism, where the Department of Homeland Security didn't exist you know, and all these things. Well, we have to kind of get back the old way a little bit. We were really good at hunting terrorists, but actually defending against cruise missiles. Uh, you, we were selling tanks. We just gave tanks yesterday, got approved. Uh, we we're, were giving tanks to the Ukrainians, right? Yeah. Good, good thing. Show me an American tanker currently on active duty who has been in tank to tank warfare. Yeah. We don't have it. We don't have it. It's been 80 years, yeah. Yeah, we don't have right? yeah. a couple of dudes that were in Desert Storm, maybe, and like that's about it, right? <laughs> um, I have two last questions for you. Um, the, the first is, how do you how do you survive financially? Is I know Project Dynamo is a nonprofit, um, but these are expensive propositions to go places to research to to pay seven cell phone bills? I mean, come on, Brian. Yep, uh, so we are entirely donor funded and at least so far, so far, we're all volunteers, including me. Uh, I live off my disability check is what I live off of. And uh, most of my staff, we've, we've refinanced our homes and we've sold uh, sold jewelry and uh, sold, gun, sold a couple of guns and all kinds of stuff to stay afloat uh, personally. But we're, um, so I live on, you know, most of us are disabled vets, so we live off that. Um, we're trying to figure out a way to sustain. Uh, we're not there yet, but I'm re really hopeful. But, you know, we're, we're looking, um, you know, we started in Afghanistan and then we expanded into Ukraine. Somewhere in there, we did Russia too. And somewhere in there, we did the hurricane also, right? And now we're looking at things like Taiwan and the China problem and, Seventh Fleet is not going to come. They won't. They won't be able to do it, and probably a lot of Americans will get out. But a hundred percent, we. This is now a pattern. Americans are going to get stuck. Who's going to help them? The Chinese Communist Party? Probably not. Probably. What's your disability, Brian? Uh, uh, my rating. I'm at eighty percent right now. I should go to a hundred percent, but I'm at eighty right now. For, for I'm sorry for what? Uh, all kinds of stuff. I've broken uh, twenty-seven bones in the in the service of our nation. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, don't and, and, don't fight of airplanes. Listen to me. Yeah. Well, my last <laughs> my last question is, and, and I'm sure uh, Jason Wheeler has a whole list that he still wants to ask. But my my last question is, are are, are you? Con it looks like you're coming to us from uh, you know having this conversation from your home, maybe in in the states. Yep. Are you concerned uh, for your own safety when you go to the grocery store when you go fill up with gas? Um, not really. I mean, I guess I, I you know, I'm paranoid enough when I'm overseas. Um, you know, I don't we i'm not important enough to the bad guys you know i embarrassed them you've sure been, you've been mentioned in the moscow times three times what are you talking yeah. about man but like they have much bigger fish to fry they have a, they have a war to lose you know yeah. the russians have a war to, have a war to lose um you, you know um and we i've gotten death threats though i've get i get hate mail all the time i've get uh we get all kinds of stuff but honestly i don't know i mean i n number one um you know, uh, I'm, uh, I'll put it this way. Lots of people have tried to kill me and I'm still here. I'll say that. So, uh, I feel supremely confident that I'll be okay. And if, if 
God forbid something happens. It's just part of it. You know, you can't part of winning this war, which we consider ourselves engaged in is the information piece of it is it's good to embarrass the Russians a little bit. I don't want to piss them off per se and make them angry, but up right up to that threshold where they're irritated. That's a big part of what gets these things going mm-hmm. that, that really, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. What does victory in Ukraine look like? Big, big political discussion that a lot of politicos on both sides are kind of arguing about, you know, what does that look like? Well, what that looks like is a humiliating defeat with the Russians driving east with white flags over their tanks saying, we screwed up, <laughs> please be nice to me, you know? And just like what we saw when they fled from Afghanistan in the, in the, in the, during the Cold War in, 19, in, the 19, in 1979. So, you know, you want to see that imagery of the Russians going over Friendship Bridge saying, yeah, these guys on horses kick, kick, you know, beat the crap out of us. And that's what you see in Ukraine. You see Ukrainian grandmas I was I was a, a 18 year old kid in the infantry is how I started my career before I went into all kinds of crazy stuff. I would be I can empathize with the 18 year old privates and corporals in the Russian army who are getting their asses handed to them by Ukrainian grandmas. How demoralizing, how demoralizing is it that you know babushkas who are you know 70, 80 years old, are just just cleaning your clock i just it's got to be so so my morale would be in the toilet (laughs) i would feel terrible (laughs) yeah i I don't think they knew what they were getting into with that one the ukrainians have have proven that they uh man they have some crazy fortitude it is amazing what they've been able to do uh i want to ask you this because you know you notice that whiteley's last two questions by the way turned into five but uh i've just got a couple more for you legitimately a couple more um i'm curious how often you think about the people you're trying to get to or you know you still haven't gotten to maybe people who worked closely with the u.s and afghanistan or even for that matter in ukraine people who have really helped us out who are really in danger you've had so many success stories but how much do those people who are still stuck weigh on your mind uh every moment of every day that's what that's what fuels me i don't care about our successes i mean i think they're fun stories and they're cool stories and you know like uh you know tom cruise will play carillo in a movie one day or something right but what what wakes me up and fuels me are all those is all the work that still has to happen we have thousands of requests request i got i mean you guys asked me to turn my thing off those those, that ping noise is our database Hmm. that's what that is is people saying this is where i am please help me this is who i am please help me my dog my cat my sister my uncle my brother my cousin they're getting bombed they're being murdered you know my my i have a team of volunteer case managers who are uh, most of dynamo is actually not military uh we have housewives we have uh got a, a teacher i got a nurse um the case managers are the ones that interact with the people we we do the operate my team and i do the operations but the back end of that is the case managers and you want to hear horrible stories they've they've literally been on the phone with people talking trying to find out where they are and how can we get to them or whatever and you could hear the gunfire and the bombing in the background the line goes dead wow do you need people do you, what, what if somebody's listening to this and they go, I want to help with, with that sort of thing. Do you need people? Number one thing I need is financial help. These things are, they're not, we're cheap by comparison. We're on a shoestring budget, but 
uh, gas costs money, travel costs money, sources cost money. Russians don't commit high treason because I'm a nice guy. They do it for, for benefit to them. Uh, cars cost money, cell phones cost money, all these things cost money. You know, food, there's parts of Ukraine, you can't find a roll of toilet paper for under 50 bucks. Mm. So like, you know, um, the, the money and the story is dried up in the media. So the, the number one way anyone who's listening can help me, projectdynamo.org, push the donate button, I take it all. We got, we take checks, we take, uh, we got a guy now who, who takes a uh, stock for us and converts it for us. I didn't even know that was a thing, uh, all kinds of stuff. But uh, we need financial help, and then when you, we need financial help badly, and when you say things like Taiwan, which yeah. I think is a foregone conclusion, just a matter of when, you're talking boats and helicopters and airplanes, and it'll be a very, very, very uh, expensive evacuation operation. And I think, um, I, I think it's coming, and I think it's coming a lot sooner than people realize. My personally. last, my legitimate last question for you is this: We talked earlier about your staff and how you've got, you know. From, from MAGA Republicans all the way down to people who still have the Hillary sticker on their, their bumper, and they all get along, they all uh, get together, and they make this mission happen that otherwise wouldn't, okay? So you are seeing in that the best of America, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you're seeing people of all stripes coming together, getting the job done, and taking care and getting, getting Americans out of really harmful situations. You also are going to these countries around the world that essentially are failed. They're failed countries in some cases and where the worst of things are happening. And I'm curious what perspective that gives you and what you would say uh, to your fellow Americans who are listening to this, because here we are, you know, we're pretty blessed uh, being in this country with all that it is. And yet we're at each other's throats uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. You've seen the best of America. You've seen the worst of the rest of the world. What would you say to people here? Because, you know, none of this is guaranteed. I, I'd say um, I'd say a few things. One, we have to get better. We, we do. You know, we, we're the United States of America. It, 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 that means something. There's a reason why people are running to come here and people aren't, you know, flooding to go to Botswana you know as as immigrants right there's a reason why because we're the best country in the world and we lose sight of that you know the, the 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 monster huge problems that we have in this country are kind of jovial in most other countries yeah eggs are expensive right? yeah yeah you know I mean, oh my god <laughs> right I mean, um i'm working i'm talking uh, right before i came on with you i'm talking with a guy who's literally living in his basement he's a, he can't leave he's an american who's stuck in a particular place and um he ha he has not eaten in seven days hmm. you know what he wouldn't do for an expensive egg right now right mm -hmm. <laughs> right yeah. so i what i would say to people are what i'd say to people who are listening of all shapes and sizes and all colors and creeds and all that stuff is we're 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 an amazing country and sometimes the best way to really appreciate it is to leave it a little bit but uh um but you know, we are amazing. We, we are. And everybody wants to be an American. Nobody wakes up. No, nobody from Wisconsin says, you know what? I really want to be Lithuanian today. Hmm. Nobody says that. No one says that, right? No, no one wakes up and says, you know, I've always wanted to be from Sierra Leone. No one says that, right? People in Sierra Leone would give their, they would and they have given their organs for a visa to come to America. Right. So we need to remember that. 
And yeah, we have problems and, and yeah, those, I'm not minimizing or maximizing any of that stuff. It's all, it is what it is. And part of being an American, you know, it's in our nature to fight. People forget that we're founded on rebellion and it's in our, you know, we have a gun culture because we like to shoot everything. That's a very American, you know, there's no such thing as a cowboy from Sierra Leone, right? I mean, we don't have that, right? They don't have that. So you know, we need to appreciate who we are and what we are, but never lose sight that we are the greatest country in the world. Everyone wants to come here and that our problems, while important, might not be the earth shattering things that are going on. And we just need to remember that a little bit and, and appreciate each other. Some of my best friends, uh, I, you know, I happen to be a Republican. So my best friends are deep, deep blue uh you don't get any bluer i have transgender friends uh, all kinds of stuff part of being an american is that we're allowed to have the conversation in other countries in other countries if you're the wrong thing whatever wrong means by whoever's saying it's wrong it's off with your head if you're literate in afghanistan and you're a woman it's like high treason you can that, that's that's cut your head off go get married off to the taliban and go get raped by 25 people type stuff it's an amazing thing to be in a place where we, where we can say not only am i a woman i choose to be literate but not only that i choose to be illiterate if i want to we have the yeah. choice that is what makes america special and i think everyone kind of forgets that it's you know, we talk about protesting and all the election stuff and everything. I've been to countries where if you show up to protest anything, they hose you down with machine gun fire. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You can show up to protest anything. And if the government says no, they kill you and they take your children away and they rape you, men and women, both. Um, I met a I met a lunatic Barati guy who, uh, Barati's a type of it's a ethnicity in russia from the mountains they, they look like eskimos they look like a native american right and what this guy would do is he would he would rape animal he would rape the pets of people in interrogation what planet am i on are you right and i'll tell you if you rape my dog you'll be begging for mercy because i'm going to go to work on you with a pair of pliers and a blowtorch like leave my puppy alone right there's crazy things out there. Nowhere in America would anyone say, no no law enforcement agency in America would say, well, what are we gonna do to get to the bottom of this case? We're gonna rape your dog. No one, I mean, that's another planet for us. And we need to remember that these crazy things happen every single day and we're blessed to not, with all the problems that we have, we don't have a lot of the problems that other people have. We have power, we have electricity, we have toilet paper, we have, even when we didn't have toilet paper, we still had toilet paper. You know I mean? <laughs> yes, yeah, some people were just hoarding way too much of it. <laughs> no, like, we still had it. You just yeah. couldn't find it anywhere. But people, your your neighbor had toilet paper. So like, there, there weren't hordes of Americans going to the bathroom in the street. Yeah. We figured it out. Some, right? some great perspective being thrown down by uh, Brian Stern today. <laughs> I like that. You know, it, uh, I have a different lens. I see the world through a different lens than most people, I think. I imagine. <laughs> Brian, e email me your one of your cell phone numbers, one of those seven. I might need you to extract me from this podcast sometimes if we there's questions <laughs> going longer. Uh, man, hey, we, we appreciate we, – yeah, right. We, we appreciate the insight. Be safe out there and uh, keep up the good work with what you're doing. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, big salute and to what donate. you all do. Please donate. 
please donate, please donate. Facebook, Instagram, we got all that stuff. Please like us. We put a lot of fun stuff up there and embarrass the bad guys. But by all means, please donate. We need your help really badly. I appreciate it very much. Okay, y'all. The conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics. You know what cracks me up working with you, Wheeler, is that you will always throw some random, you know, acknowledgement in there for from something you read. What was the random? So you were like, I, I was, I was reading the Modern War Institute <laughs> from West Point. <laughs> Come on, dude. Come on. It was all research. Who the hell? It was research. Who the hell reads the Modern War Institute from West Point? Guys who like, do you're podcasts. Per- you're perusing it. Yeah. It's guys who Did do podcasts ha- when they have to, you know, do a little bit of research. My camera just <laughs> fell off there. Uh, no, my, you know, I was doing a little bit of research. I don't typically read the Modern War Institute from West Point, but, I, you know, I was getting ready. Dude, I mean, I'm on <laughs> Yahoo, and you're at the Modern War Institute. I, I may be on Wiki, and you're going through, like, Foreign Affairs Journal and things like that. And I read the whole article, too. You know, but, you know, and it's funny, too, because I bet that you probably have stacks and stacks of, like, world history books that you've read, and I haven't. So, you know, there we are. We're even. But... I will say this: uh, Foreign Affairs, that that uh, that quarterly journal, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I used to subscribe to it, I still probably should, but it is great. You 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 killed me though, man. I had to put the the mic on mute when you said. <laughs> uh, so I was reading in the Modern War Institute from West Point, and they cited. I'm like, come on, we. They really did though, and they that. made an that that was an interesting point that they made, basically saying that hey, U.S. government, maybe you don't. You know, maybe you don't think of this as a, a problem or as a hurdle, but maybe you think of this as something we ought to be doing uh, just on a regular but, basis. But but here's the point. Not that, hey, I was reading the other day and they were saying this. It was, I was reading the Modern War Institute. That was just, uh, it was good stuff. Man. You, you never cease to amaze me. Well, I'm glad to hear um, that. I think you're right. You know, at the beginning of the podcast, you were talking about how there there likely will be a movie made after Brian Stern. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's a character. And I, I kept thinking the whole way through, because you and I have interviewed people kind of like this before, and they're, they're normally really secretive, mm-hmm. and they don't want to talk. They don't want to brag about it. He's different because he operates off of uh, a nonprofit, and, and he has to have let people know what he does right. in order to, um, you know, get people to donate to him. But I would think, considering the different places he operates and the places he's been deployed around the world and likely visited around the world, he has to be pretty loose. You know, he's talking about the Adidas tracksuit, and I'm sure when he's in, uh, you know, Afghanistan and places like that, he, he's dressed a little more localish there. So yeah. w- when you hear him, you know, kind of laughing about some of this stuff, uh, he's he's seen a lot, and and my guess is he has to be loose in order to to deal with it. Yeah, he's he's living in a whole different world than most of us uh, would ever conceptualize. I mean, you heard some of the details in there, and it's clear that this guy's dealing with characters that, thankfully, most of us never come across in life. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking as he was talking, not how it was funny, how much he was telling us. I thought it was uh, interesting how much he probably still wasn't telling us, you know. Yeah. Imagine the stuff that he's probably holding back because he can't give away everything and he's, he, he probably isn't even giving us the worst of the details, too, that he's seen out there because he knows, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a general podcast here. Uh, so, you know, just imagine what's really going on out there in the world and, you know, take a lesson from what he said, like, appreciate what you've got here. Uh, we've got it pretty good, you know. Yeah, 100%. The guy's name is Brian Stern. Uh, you can find out more about him on his website. It's projectdynamo.org. 
Of course, we always appreciate you listening to Yolitics. And as Jason reminds us all the time, please subscribe. If you know anybody who likes, you know, current affairs podcasts on Texas or Texas politics, please tell them about Yolitics as well. We always appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Yeah, if you know anybody listening or reading Modern War from from West Point, by the way, tell them this is definitely the, the episode for them. We'll if, if anybody calls in and can cite some Modern War Institute <laughs> stuff, I, you know, I'll give you 10 bucks. I'll give you 10 bucks. All right, we're going to stop wasting your time with our back and forth. We'll see y'all again next week. Before y'all leave, click subscribe to get y'all a ticks every week. And if y'all want to talk instead of listen, you can reach the Jasons anytime on the y'all hotline at 214-977-6020. That's 214-977-6020. Eolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.